there's a lot of people here. To start off with, I think the diversity of conversation has been really exciting. You know, there's just so much buzz around the topic right now, and I think there's folks that are like working on developing the technology, and then there's like a lot of practitioners, and there's folks interested in sort of like the go-to-market side. The people who are doing this thing are not just AI boosters, but AI questioners. And we're asking hard questions about whether AI is useful in any given application and what we're going to do with it. Hi, I'm Rachel Chalmers, and this is Generation Ship, the podcast at the intersection of infrastructure and artificial intelligence. We are the generation that's exploring generative AI. We are a finite group of people with a finite set of resources, and we have to share this infrastructure. We have to find fair and ethical ways to do that. The first generation ship has already set sail. It's the planet Earth, and you and I are the crew. This show is brought to you by Heavybit, the leading investor in developer-first startups. To learn more about Heavybit, visit heavybit.com. I'm Rachel Chalmers. I'm here at Heavybit's AI Summit with the amazing Christine Spang. Christine, can you introduce yourself? Hi, everybody. My name is Christine Spang. I'm the founder and CTO of a company called Nihilus. Christine, what are three things that have surprised or delighted you today? One is just like, there's a lot of people here. I thought it was going to be a bit smaller, but like, I think, you know, there's just so much buzz around the topic right now. And I think, you know, the reason that I was really excited about coming was because of sort of the way that you guys frame things around, like nobody has the answers, I think that really sort of just spoke to a lot of people and there's a big crowd. Yeah, backstory here, Jesse originally conceived this as a regular conference and just got overwhelmed with the amount of signal versus noise. And so we're running this as an open space technology conference. It's super cool. Yeah, I mean, how can you like put an agenda together when like, you know, last week, like five things, new things got announced and Everybody's just sort of running as fast as they can to keep up. And the answer to that is you crowdsource it. You let people mm-hmm. write their own agenda. It's working great so far. Yeah, I've been really impressed. What else has surprised you today? I mean, one is that there's like a really sort of broad set of people in terms of like, there's folks that are like working on developing the technology and then there's like a lot of practitioners and there's folks kind of interested in sort of like the kind of go-to-market side or like, you know, how do we find industries in sort of niches where like the state of technology today is ready to sort of make a big difference in those particular industries. And so I guess I've been surprised and excited to see that there's like a lot of sort of cross-pollination between a lot of different roles and like people having everything from like, you know, I'm talking about like a reverse engineered GitHub co-pilot and here's like what happens behind the scenes and as to like what's going into the context window and yeah, how you can think about like what is like the black box thing happening under the hood with like this one particular technology to like folks who are here to learn or, you know, really thinking about more of a business-oriented mindset. I'm going to make you king of AI for the next five years. Everything's going to go exactly how you want it to go. What does the world look like in five years' time? I mean, the thing that's most exciting to me is, so at this point, I'm a technology executive and... I'm sorry, condolences. (laughs) And... What that has meant is that, you know, you don't get to do any of the, like, the fun stuff, but you have to make all of the, like, high-level decisions. And what's most exciting to me is that with a lot of the tools that are kind of coming out and being developed today, like, it's actually a lot easier for someone who has, like, that high-level perspective to, like, be involved in the creation uh, on the ground as well. And so I really want to see kind of 
all these different pieces come together so that like, you know, not just people like me, but more people can kind of harness like the power of computing, I would say. Like to me, you know, large language models are essentially this one new technology. We, we like to rebrand AI like every five years or whatever. And it, it like sort of means like, you know, five years ago it was like neural nets or deep learning or whatever. Five and years now, before that it was Bayesian stuff. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, like sort of old school, like machine learning. And um, now, now you say AI and everyone assumes you're talking about large language models or generative AI or, you know, I guess large language models is for the text part. And then, you know, there's like images and voice and all that stuff. And, and people just say AI and they mean that right now. But it's like a, a label that has changed definitions like every X number of years. And my company builds APIs and developer tools. And I'm really excited that like large language models is essentially like a high level programming language now that like every person knows already. It's like meeting people where they are in that, you know, people learn to speak and to, to use language from the time they're toddlers. And so I guess, long story short, the thing I'm most excited about, five years, like king, queen of everything, is just like a much broader swath and sort of like everyday people being able to like get things done with computing just by like telling a computer what to do. It's like all those sci-fi movies that we kind of grew up with where it's like computer, you know? Enhance. Yeah, do thing X, Y, or Z. And I think it's going to be really powerful in ways that we don't understand because there's been this like narrow subset of the human population that's been able to like tell the computer what to do. And we're just making that much more broad now. We've been talking so long about the next 500 million developers and now it feels yeah. like we have line of sight. Yeah, this it's is like a huge jump that, I think it was like counterintuitive to a lot of people. I like even the people who made it didn't really, you know, there's like emergent behaviors and people didn't really know what the results were going to be. But it's also kind of interesting in that like, you know, when we've explored and done like science about like the natural world, it's understood that like you're not going to necessarily know what the output or the results of a thing is. But this is like a thing that people created. And so it's, I think it's been shocking to a lot of people to find that like even things that people make we don't necessarily know what they're going to do before we actually make them and just, like, observe what, what happens. It is super cool. If you had a colony ship to the stars, what would you call it and why? Destiny. Why? That was the first thing that popped in my head, and it's because I think that people really want to, like, live forever, and it almost seems that, like, it must be our destiny to go beyond the bounds of Earth in order to accomplish that, given what we know about, like, certain stars, like, they only live so long, and eventually it's going to, like, explode and envelop the Earth, so we got to get out of here at some point. Though we have a, probably a while. Happy hour on Trappist D, everybody. Be there. Yeah, I'll see you there. Bang, it's been a delight as ever. Thank you. Yeah, it was great catching up. I'm Rachel Chalmers, and I'm here with one of my favorite people in the tech industry, or in fact, the world, the amazing Heidi Waterhouse. Heidi, can you introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Heidi Waterhouse. I'm an advisor to startups, and I'm coming out of tech writing and DevRel. And uh, basically, I just like making sure people are telling better stories about what they're doing. So Heidi, you said you came cynically today, and you're feeling more optimistic now. What happened? I think what happened is that the people who are doing this thing are not just AI boosters, but AI questioners. And we're asking hard questions about 
whether AI is useful in any given application and what we're going to do with it and how it's actually worth its weight. Can you tell me three things that have surprised you from the talks that you've been in today? Yeah, I think one of the things that I thought was surprising was a couple different talks came around the idea that smaller, more focused LLMs are going to be more useful than the very large general LLMs. And like you don't want to train your Terraform LLM on Don Quixote. Like That's a bad plan. So the smaller ones that are easier and cheaper to compute are going to be more useful. Another thing that we talked about was making sure that we are doing only the toil as what we're taking out. We want to take out the boring stuff and not the, the important human construction of meaning and ontology and semantics. There's a lot of philosophy in what we're trying to do and doing that carefully and mindfully and then not having to write a bunch of API queries to support that is a way to really maximize human potential. And the third thing that I thought was really interesting is that nobody has really addressed the problem that we can't unmix the paint. When we put data into machine learning, we can never extract it and we have to recompute the entire model. And so with all of the advances coming from the EU in data privacy, we're really going to have to think carefully about how compute cost work and what kind of data we ingest, because otherwise we're going to throw away some very expensive models. Super cool. I love the idea of, of the advantage of working on smaller LLMs, because it does seem like a redistribution of power and agency in the industry that we haven't seen, I think, since the early 90s and the days of the open web. I'm very excited about the opportunities that creates. Yes. There was a, a session on running LLMs on your laptop, which I thought was super cool. Like, yeah, let's, let's use these smaller compute resources instead of these enormously hungry general resources to answer more specific questions. One of my friends came into a meeting recently with an LLM installed on his phone, which was just such an insane power move. I cannot even. I want that phone. <laughs> Heidi, I'm going to make you king of AI for the next five years. Okay. Everything in the industry goes exactly how you want it to. What does the world look like? In five years, we are using a lot of natural language to ask questions about how we could do better. And we're doing it in a very specific, hyper-local way. So it's not that we have these giant collections. We have these tiny households where we are producing homegrown, homespun wool. And with that, we are making the clothes that we want. And we are not outsourcing everything to the point that we don't understand where it comes from. So the same way that my family has a Discord now, they could have a model and a database for the family that says, like, how is it mom makes that again? Like, how, how is it we make chicken cacciatore? Or what is that thing that she's singing? Asking questions like that will help us better understand what it is that we want to do. That's not going to be very profitable. I think the profitable things are when we allow AI to design things that we couldn't conceptualize because we have a lot of constraints on our thinking. I was talking to Sam earlier, and he was talking about how computers will design structures that don't make sense to humans, but do in fact fit all the parameters of what we need from them. 
And I'd like to see us do that more with our data and do more mining of it in a, in a useful, productive way. If you had a colony ship to the stars, what would you call it? I think I would call it Esperanza. I want to be hopeful. I think it's very easy for all of the colony ship narratives to be about like disaster and fleeing. But I think I would want it to be hopeful. I hope that this new place will be not just better, but an extension of the good things that we already have. I'll drink to that. Thank you, Heidi. Cheers. I'm Paul Bigger. Uh, I'm the founder of Darklang and before that, Circle CI. Paul, thank you so much. It's great to see you. Here we are at the AI Summit. What are three things that have surprised or delighted you so far today? I, I, I love how like deep everyone is into this. So the you know, a lot a lot of these things are just like people like, whoa, whoa, whoa what's gonna happen to like this industry or something like that? And you know, here it's like, let me tell you about like this alternate model for like using weightless neural nets. Okay, okay, we're, we're, we're learning shit. We are absolutely learning shit. Do you worry, this has come up in a bunch of conversations today, do you worry that AI is going to eliminate a bunch of jobs? It's going to put people out of work? It's gonna... Oh yeah, it's going to fuck everything up. Great, okay, we're done here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no. yeah we, we kind of talked about this before, how we're, how we're both you know, from, let's say, socialist countries, and we have, we have these, uh, these feelings about how, how the world should be and, and who should benefit from them. And, and, oh, yours are feelings, mine's a policy statement. Yeah, well, okay, okay, mine, my, mine are a little bit more feelings, but like, you know, we saw tech do, what, 50% layoffs in the last year? And a lot of it was like, we think the AI will be able to do this better. Um, and maybe maybe that was unstated publicly, but like privately, you know, we've seen a lot of people referring to those conversations. And, you know, in, in every industry, like the, the, the writers went on strike to, to basically protect the existence of their industry and maybe protect the existence of many other industries by, by going on strike. I think we're, we're just going to see that for, for years and years because everyone is just trying to be like, this Gen AI thing is really about like, they're arguing about who owns the models and who owns the inputs to the models. But really they're arguing about like who gets to benefit on like the culture that we've built up for a hundred years. Yes. And like the people who are being told you don't get to own any of it are angry and you cannot, you know, you can't expect that. And a big unspoken factor in all of this is we lost a million people from the workforce yeah, over the yeah. last three years. Yeah. That has led to a really unprecedented shift of the balance of power in favor of labor. That's why you're seeing yeah. not just the writers, but the auto workers and the Amazon workers. And, and that's why you're also seeing the, the, the bosses, I say, you know, as if I'm not one of them, but like the bosses being like, well, the power has shifted and we don't like it. We, we need this AI to like let the shift be in the direction that we want it to be. Tech billionaires are writing tragic manifestos. We it's so, it's think so about their touching. feelings. Yeah. yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I read about Mark Andreessen's thing because I will not read anything that he writes anymore. But like, it seems like a very sad time. Must be very difficult for him. It's a cry for help. Poor guy. How do you see this moving forward? I mean, I think you and I are both like invigorated by the rise of this labor movement. I think... Software engineers are workers too, and I think there should be coalitionist politics and we should yeah. support one another. Do you feel hopeful about this? I mean, the, you know, Unions for Tech Workers has been going for, for I want to say, seven or eight years now. We, we, we've started seeing like a lot of, a lot of movement um, that, that really wasn't there before. Not seeing that many unions actually land 
But I think you know, there was just the good times for so long. Yeah. And, and engineers in particular, it's just like, what, what, we're, we're becoming millionaires. Like, who, who cares? And then all of a sudden you're seeing the you know, junior engineers can't get a job. Senior engineers are like stuck in the same place for, for much longer than, than they would like to be. They're, they're not getting the mobility that they're looking for. And then, you know, less in tech than in other places that there's a whole lot of like, come back to work. You know, the, the happy hours and all the, the things that were fun are gone. It's, it's back to fucking work. You know, get the nose to the grindstone. And I don't know if that is enough to push it over the edge. But I think that, that once the other industries keep unionizing, which I think they will, that it will, it will reach us eventually one way or the other. Yeah, I think how you feel about it depends on whether you want things to be good for a few people or whether you want things to be good for everyone. Yeah. And I call the podcast Generation Ship because we're all in this together. Well, I mean, I presume you were from your accent that you were not raised in America. I was not. Uh, and, and neither was I. And, you know, it's, things are different here. Yeah. You know, the, there, there's a lot of like belief that the people at the top should make the money. That is not the case in, in the cultures that we grew up in. I think the country is fully shaped around that idea. Uh, and tech being centered here, I'm, I'm not sure it gets to escape. Well, we'll certainly see how this plays out. Uh, fingers crossed. Paul, it's been a great pleasure catching up. This is lovely. Take care. Thank you. I'm Rachel Chalmers, and I'm here with Raya Kind. Raya, would you introduce yourself? Hi, great to be here, Rachel. Uh, I'm Raya Kind. Uh, I am the founder of Code and Concept, where I use Gen AI to help people decode humanity, uh, working with conceptual metaphors and linguistics. So cool. Raya, we're here at the AI Summit. Can you tell us about three things that have surprised or delighted you so far today? Yeah. So first thing I found surprising is how much people care but don't really care about finding a plan of action. Mm. So in a couple of the circles, I've specifically asked, um, okay, that's really great. What do we do about it? Or, oh, I see what you need. How can we crowdsource to find a solution? And uh, there has been very little kind of follow-up on that, which is interesting because people really care. The second thing that surprised or delighted me is how much philosophy is actually being involved in the discussions. It's not just the hard tech of what needs to be done or even why, but like it's the whole, how does this reflect on humanity? Uh, what does this say about us as a species, as a collective? I do think it's an existential moment for us. It's a, a moment for reflection. Oh, 100%. Yeah, and the thing that everyone agrees on which maybe is a third surprising thing, is that this is the cusp of a paradigm shift. That's surprising to me because out in the world, I hear it both ways. I hear some people say, oh no, this is, you know, ML has been happening since the 70s. It's very slow. It's going to be a long time. And then other people being like, the robots are going to kill us all. So there's a happy medium here, I think, where it's like, yes, this is monumental. And what do we do about it? We're not afraid of it. We're leaning in to engage with it. A little afraid of it, but you can lean into engage with something you you're both. a little yeah, afraid lean, of. Lean yeah, lean into the fear. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. And I, I do think that it's because of the fear that it's incumbent on us to lean in. I think we have the opportunity to affect the outcome of, of what happens now. A hundred percent. And you know, this is this is the moment. I remember you saying in our um, panel earlier that your generation is, you know, kicking itself for not doing more with the web to make the web a more hospitable place for to foster societal growth. And this is that moment again. Learn from my mistakes, kid. Exactly. And on the fear part, I heard this really good quote once that um, fear is just excitement without the breath. 
So wow. if we center ourselves and we really breathe through this and internalize it instead of distracting ourselves or dissociating from it or pretending like it's not there, we can really do something about it and get excited about this change that we're a part of. Everybody take a breath. Yeah. Raya, if you had a colony ship to the stars, what would you name it? So this is going to sound very Silicon Valley woo. I would name it We Are. We are because it's not just I versus you. It's not a separate thing. You know, we're a collective. We're a species. And we are without anything after because we are not defined by our identity of, of mother, father, child, worker, etc. We just are. We're here to be. We're human beings. I love that. I have a story to go with it, if you oh, like. Oh, yeah? I would love that. Descartes says, I think, therefore I am. But the translation of the Swahili word Ubuntu is, I am because we are. Oh, I love that. Humans exist in community. We're defined by our relationships. We're defined by the network of, of people around us. Yeah, exactly. We're, we're not made to be in a vacuum, and we're not in a vacuum no matter how much we might think we are. We're all connected. I would like a ticket on your generation ship, please. Yes. Coming right up, first class. Everyone's first class. We're Everyone is first class. I love that. <laughs> Thank you so much, Raya. Thank you, Rachel. Hey, I'm Rachel Chalmers. I'm here at HeavyBits AI Summit with Seema Patel. Seema, can you introduce yourself for our guests? Absolutely. I'm Seema Patel. I'm with Stiefel Venture Banking, and I cover the enterprise software portfolio. And so I work with a lot of companies within the DevOps space, uh, cybersecurity, AI. So coming to this conference was really important to me, and of course, we're a sponsor as well. Fantastic. So what are three things that have surprised or intrigued or delighted you so far today? I'd say, to start off with, I think the diversity of conversation has been really exciting. So I was just in a conversation around, you know, what are some of the trends? Where should capital be funded? As well as sort of talking about some of the more nuanced technical aspects of, of the conversation. Secondly, I'd say even the folks here, like the diversity is a big area of focus for me. And so having exposure to different pockets and hearing that there was a lot of international people here as well, which is Yeah, exciting. you and I were comparing accents. I'm from Sydney, and you have a really interesting background. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was born in England, raised there for a bit, and then grew up for the rest of my life in Zimbabwe, and then have been between Zimbabwe, England, and America for several years now. And it's such an exciting position to be. As we were talking about at lunch, you get to be here in San Francisco looking at things emerging and then you get to take information about that home and you also get to bring information about what's happening elsewhere into these amazing conversations in San Francisco. Absolutely. Yeah. It's really important that, you know, some of the conversation here gets elevated and pushed beyond the geographies around. Um, and so that's something that's really important. So that was two things that I interrupted you. Did you have a third thing that surprised or delighted you? Yeah, I think the, the quality of conversation as well um, has been not a surprise, I would say. It's an absolute delight. I came here with that exact expectation, and yeah, it's been interesting to hear everyone's perspective. Seema, thank you so much for joining us today. Absolutely. Thank you. That's all we have time for today. If you're interested in being a guest or if you know someone awesome I should interview, hook up with us online. We're available where all fine social medias are sold. This show is brought to you by Heavybit, the leading investor in developer-first startups. To learn more about Heavybit, visit heavybit.com.